listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning again. Welcome to part three of our series, As You Go. If you missed the first week, it was with Pastor Tommy and he preached us all in the corner, sucking our thumbs. It was wonderful. You can watch that whole service at newchapel.com slash watch to check with it. Last week, I opened up really the meat and potatoes of the arc of this whole series as you go, really trying to spur you on to getting out of your comfort zone, even though you might not understand everything that God has called you to. You can take a step of faith, and today we're going to continue in that sentiment because God wants us to take some ground. Amen, somebody? Now, this past week, uh, we had family pictures, and uh, I have four kids, and that's a lot. Uh, Anybody else have a litter of kids in their life, and it's a thing? Yeah, uh, it's a lot. And so not only are we going to go and like get pictures, but it's like with the kids, it's commuting the crazy to go to this bougie little farm thing because Kaya wants us to look like, I don't know, Magnolia Farms or something. I have no idea. And so, so we're, we're getting all the kids together, and, and they've got to have their shirts on. So this is even normal. Like it's, it's, it's big enough of a deal to go to the mall, okay? But we got to get bougie clothes on. we got to get bougie pants on. And, and then I've got this one kid that could be working for Architectural Digest or Vogue magazine. I don't know which. He's got to have a certain slacks on. He wants to have his shoes with no socks, have a tie and a hat. And he'll tell me, Dad, if, if a hat isn't tilted, it's not really a hat now, is it? You know? And I'll be like, you're getting in my head. And, and so we're, we're getting all four of these little churn together. And, and by the time we got the last, the little bougie bougie one, all set up, and, and we're ready to go, and he's got the right hat that he's supposed to, where's the other three? You go, the TV's on. I mean, somebody opened up the game Battleship with 3,000 little pegs all over the living room, the dogs in the tub, you know, and then they want a drink. We'll go if we can have a drink. What, what, what is going on? I wasn't raised with a drink. We had a drink when we ate and it was milk, awful milk too. I don't know why my grandma made me drink it, but like milk, they got to have a drink. All of a sudden our kids are on plexus with probiotics and, and, and they have to have a little bougie drink, their personal little supply, every place that they go in their little minivan. And it's like, this is so much. And, and it's so much to get out of the door. And you're looking at all the disarray that they cause while you're trying to do it. And you're thinking like, I've provided everything. We have a really nice like uh, van for us to go. You've got nice clothes on. Everything was put, and you're just distracted, and you're doing your own thing. And like, I have no idea like where some of those little pegs from Battleship have gone. I think Bocce ate some. Our dog, and so, and and it's funny. But at the same time, as I was feeling all of that, I thought to myself, Does God feel like that? I've provided everything for you. I, I, I have given you the Holy Spirit. I overcame death, hell, and the grave. I've given you great and precious promises, and I can't get you off your iPhone to like spend time with me. Like I thought about that this week, that we do have a call from God to go, to have forward momentum. And I think sometimes we blow it off and we get, we get uh, really distracted by things that don't matter, the peripheral to our lives, and we miss the great thing that God has 
You know, go, the word go shows up 1,542 times in your Bible, while the word stay only shows up 62 times. Could it be? Is it possible that God wants us to do a lot more going than staying? Neutral is not natural to your God. God is not a neutral figure in your life. I think about in the book of Revelation where he says, I'd rather you be hot or cold, but this in-between thing, you're not really hot or cold, you're, you're not really uh, living with any conviction. He says, that's gross to me. It's, it's, it makes God sick, this play-it-safe notion that I think many of us have. And so it needs to be our mission, our mindset, that we're a church that's going to be on the move. We're going to take ground for God. We're going to be a people that trek with him. And we're not just going to look at the conditions in society to make those decisions. It doesn't matter what the gas price is or that the Dow went underneath 30,000 points. It doesn't matter. I'm going to advance in my life and no devil in hell is going to, going to stand on the sideline of my life and tell me that I can't do it. Can I hear an amen? amen. And in case you haven't realized this series is a little bit more of a preaching series from Pastor Joe. So you got to help me out. We're going to do a little practice. You ready? Everybody say amen. amen. Everybody say preach it. Everybody say preach it, white boy. Preach it, white boy. See, you need to do that to me. Well, I'm, it's going to be a little call and response today, okay? Like, help a brother. It's okay that you said that, too. Preach it. Yeah, well, come on. Come on, Mr. Ed. <laughs> you know, in the Army, they call it active duty. Why? Well, vocabulary creates culture. They need those soldiers to be poised and ready to go, to have this attitude that we're moving forward. We're not going to be resting on our laurels. We have a mindset of activity. And my belief is this. We need to realize that we are soldiers in God's kingdom, that we are called to advance. And though things are admittedly getting darker, Though there's more questions than ever before, things might look tougher for you financially with plans that you've had. You might be concerned about your kids or the schools that you're sending them off to. In all of that, we cannot pause our lives. We cannot wait for all the dust to settle before the church makes its move. We have to be willing to march through the dust and take some ground in the kingdom. Say amen, somebody. Well, I'm going to get off Facebook because they're curbing me and they're trying to silence me and, and I'm going to hide in my basement inside that cellar and I got my freeze-dried food and everybody can go to hell. Friend, that is not what God has called you to do. I'm not saying you shouldn't be prepared. I'm not saying that you shouldn't like take steps. But understand this, that when the dark gets darker, it makes the light shine brighter. And the, the greater one lives in you. You need to be a person that says, no, I'm not going off Facebook. I'm going to annoy the devil. Zuckerberg, I, I come against you in the name of Jesus. You know, like, come after him. Say that, and I'm not talking about small wars on Facebook, but I am saying this. We're not going to run. We're not going to go undercover. We're not going to go and be the underground church. Not time for that, everybody. We're going to be the people of God that are bold. And so Jesus gave us a great commission. This is what he says in St. Matthew Chapter 28, I'm going to read you verse 18. These are marching orders. He's trying to tell us how to live this Christian walk out, what we're supposed to be doing. This is what he says, Matthew 28. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. It goes on to say, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. What is Jesus doing here? He's saying, okay, I, I, I went to the cross, and I, I paid the price, and, 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 and then I, I rose from the dead. It was the greatest work of God's power, the Bible says. 
He rose from the dead, and that ratified salvation. And so all authority in heaven and on earth, it's all Jesus' possession. What am I going to do with this authority? He says, go, therefore. He lends you that authority in this earth, and he commissions you. Great, we won. Like the battle's won. Did you know that the good fight of faith is not a fight to win it? It's a fight to keep it. That, that he's won the battle. And so what do you need to do? As a Christian, you go, therefore, into all the nations. You go with God's authority in you. Say amen, somebody. Jesus gave us orders, a commission. These are, these are like executive orders, except like the good kind. You know what I'm saying, everybody? Kind you want to follow. Anyway, he says, go into all the earth. And he's trying to describe a people that are active and moving and taking territory and not retreating. He's describing his church as a church that is going, a people that are on the move. And then he ends that little passage that we read by not being like, okay, you're kicked out of the nest. You're on your own. No, it wasn't like that at all. He says, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You are not without recourse. Doesn't it help to know that the greater one is right with you in this? That he cares deeply about what you're going through. You think, well, what if I launch out and I fail? The greater one is there with you. You might have setbacks. You might have challenges in the short run. But in the prevailing sense, what can stand against the power of our God? And so, gang, we need to realize that we have God's authority, yes, but we are not lonely in this world. We have God with us. He is with us. And so we advance. We don't retreat. We stand up. We don't stand down. We stand out. We don't blend in. And we occupy all places. We don't shelter in place. Can I hear an amen, somebody? There are no safe places in this world. There's no safe places in the kingdom. But with God's help, we have recourse and community through it all. The title of today's message, if you're taking notes, is this. We are a people on the move. Write that down. That's the call on your life to be God's people, and to be moving, advancing, to be in motion. Heavenly Father, I pray today that we would begin to understand that. That, Lord, as we jump into your word and begin to go through these deep themes that you have in your word, that, that Lord, you would awaken something in us and help us. Yes, because we don't understand it all, but, Lord, more than that, help us to take the steps of faith as the people that are called to be on the move. We pray it in Jesus' name. And Everybody said. It is actually the first time in America, statistically, they've done polls, different scientific polls from different groups, and they were asked about the future, and do you have hope in the future? And for the first time in American history, there's less hope in the future than there was in previous generations. In other words, your grandparents, your great-grandparents say, oh, man, I, I believe my kids are going to do better. I believe the rest of my life is going to be the best of my life. I believe my grandkids' kids, they're all, it's all going up. For the first time in American history... It's come back that, no, nah, I don't know if my kids are going to have as good of a life as I had. I just don't know. For the first time in Michigan history, they did a poll through all of the public high schools of all the teenagers, and they, they asked them as a mental health evaluation. They, they asked them a whole series of questions. And for the first time, every single one of our teenagers, that includes your kids, if they took this profile, they checked the box that says they've experienced overwhelming anxiety about the future, about the, the, the fate of their lives in the country. The suicide hotline, its rate increased starting in 2020, and you think, well, that's understandable. 
it hasn't slowed a lot. But if you just take 2020, it increased. You say, well, how much? 5%? 50%? No. 500%? No. 5,000% increase of the suicide hotline. In fact, in one year, they answered more calls than they had in the entire history of the suicide prevention hotline in all of it combined. This is what's happening in our world. There's spiritual warfare going on. The stakes are great. We have to realize that. And Jesus commissioned us to go, to be mobilized in the midst of a world that is crumbling. The solutions that they present to us, we all know they're hollow. And it's carving our people out. We can't let it happen. I heard recently that seven of the top 12 uh, greatest grossing box office movies of all time, seven of the top 12 are actually superhero movies. Maybe you're a buff in that world, and, and I can only pine about what that actually means, but what it, what it speaks to me is this, that there's something inside people that in the face of impossible odds, they, they want to see victory. They want to see an overcoming moment in, in the narrative. And God, I believe, seeded that in you. This thing that says, we're going to take the hill. We're going to win. You know what I'm talking about, everybody? I think that it, there's something seeded in us. And though you cannot wake up in the morning and say, well, I'm going to be a superhero, because you can't fly. You can't hear everything that's going on. You can't even be a person that says, well, I'm going to be a natural superhero. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to save somebody today from a car wreck. Well, you don't know if you're going to be in the right place at the right time. If you're not trained in any of that stuff, please, Lord, stay away from me if I get in a car wreck. But, but what I'm saying is you can't decide on that, right? But you can decide to wake up and say, I can invest in people spiritually. I can have a conversation about how the world is going and really how your faith in Jesus is giving you hope not just in the present, but in the future, even though things are dark. You can take a step and you can be that person that answers the call to have really deep and listening conversations with a world that has questions. And you don't have to put yourself up like you have all the answers either. You could be a person that listens and invests in people who are far from God. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. And so we're called to be the people of God, the people that are on the move. I have a couple thoughts about that in the time that we have left today. I'll see if I can get you out a little early today. Number one, write it down. We're the people of God, people on the move. What do we do about it? Number one, we need to redeem the time. Write that down, redeem the time. You know, last month at the church, we had a great month. It was, it was amazing, really. Maybe one of our banner months, greatest month we've ever had. And I've heard from people after church, I'd be shaking hands, and they say, oh, man, Pastor Joe, man, David, he did so great during worship. I'd be like, yeah. And they'd say, oh, man, Pastor Joe, your message, I really heard God speak to me. It was amazing. And I'd be shaking hands and smiling. And, and, and listen, in no way do I want to diminish that. It means a lot. But sometimes I leave interactions like that, and I think, okay, so what? What are we going to do about it then? Wouldn't it be a shame if we wasted like moments like this, and you just came in and gave the pastor a good hearing and just lived your life however? If you came in and had your little roaster coffee in one hand, waved at Jesus during worship, and, but then you just, you just went back to a normal life, it'd be a waste. It'd be a shame because what we're trying to do in here is light a fire underneath you that makes it so you leave this place, and that's where the real ministry begins. That's where we take ground. If we have church, and it's great, oh, man, what great worship, what a great word. 
but it doesn't motivate us to get out of these four walls and serve, roll our sleeves up and join a team, make an investment, talk to people that are far from God outside of this place. If it doesn't motivate us, what are we doing? Can I hear an amen, somebody? We got to do something. You know, the devil doesn't care if we come in here in these four walls and we wave at Jesus and have good old services together and call it revival. He cares when we leave these four walls and we start to take a nation back. See, they're fine with you having your private faith. Just don't make it public. Well, nobody gave them a vote. And so you have to be a person that says, I'm going to go outside of this place and I'm going to be a light, whatever that even means in my context. I'm not a preacher, I'm not, but I'm going to go out there and I'm going to be myself and I'm going to talk about what God has done in my life. Can I hear an amen? amen. The scripture says as much in Ephesians chapter 5. Let me read it for you. It says, be very careful then how you live. Uh, in the Greek, what it would say is, be very careful how you live. <laughs> like when the Bible says things like that, it's really trying to make a statement. It's trying to really draw attention. It says, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. The Bible's not calling you a name here or anything like that. It's saying that, listen, Christian, even as a follower of God, you can be fooled. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, think about that. Don't be unwise. Be careful with the way that I'm living my life, making the most of every opportunity for the days are evil. Think about this. How in the world is it June? Let me tell you how it's deceiving. You're at work and you're doing your job and you got to pull lever B and input the information and zip zop or clean the thing or put it together, whatever you're doing, okay? And you're just, you're looking at that clock. You're like, when, when, come on, five o'clock. You know, I, I heard a country song, it's five o'clock somewhere. Like, I don't know. Like, just, and the day seems long, doesn't it? Seems so long. But the Bible says this it goes by faster than a runner, it says in the book of James. In fact, the scripture says that your life is like a vapor. We in Michigan know what that means because we have to wear a jacket eight months out of the year. And you can go out and you breathe and you see your breath for a second, and it's gone. There a minute gone. That's what the Bible says your life is like. It's a vapor. And so what, what is the Bible saying? Make the most of every opportunity, redeeming the time for the days are evil. It's trying to say those days, they seem long, but they stack so quick. I think six months has gone by. We were just celebrating the new year, and now we're, we're halfway through. It's because years go fast and days go slow. That's what it means that the days are evil. And so it is true. The dark is getting darker, and so we have to take advantage of the time that we have. Now, in the New King James Version, my favorite version of the Bible, it says redeeming the time, not just, not just saying making the most of the time. And that word redeem there literally would convey to compensate for the fault or bad aspects of something. It would also say to gain or regain the possession of something. And I think it's high time that the church begins to compensate for some of these deficits that are in culture. I think that we ought to gain and regain some ground that we've lost. If we'd admit it, we lost. Culture is slipping. It's going out of our hands. And that we get a little bit messy. We're willing to get in the weeds. We're willing to have a hard conversation because the truth is truth. And we have a whole society of a broken and fatherless generation that need the truth. Can I hear an amen, somebody? Redeem the time. Are you guys with me? Good. Grab the team up card that's on your chair. I want to talk to you about that real quick. Now you say, Pastor Joe, man, I filled one of those things out, and Pastor Brian even called me, and I didn't take his call. 
it's all good. We already know who you are. We still smile at you when you come by the church. Like, we love you. We, we love you. Hey, I'm just going to dare you. Do it again. Just fill it out again. You know, you can even write, biffed it. You know, like, I, I don't know. He's going to know, but he'll give you the call. Jump on. We're just giving you another on-ramp. No condemnation. Don't feel like that. Don't, don't feel like that. If you knew the teams that you're joining and how very, very normal these people are, you wouldn't feel so much intimidation about joining a team. These are people just like you just like me, normal people, everyday life, and they want to be a part of something greater. And, and really, what these teams are is they're really more like small groups than anything else. They're connecting, and the only difference is that the, the whole goal of the group isn't to Bible study, it's, it's to serve you and your kids, and pour coffee, and to help people at guest service. It, that, that's the idea. So here's the challenge. We want to take the hill. We want to redeem the time. Let's not let another six months just blaze by. Serve God. Join the team. Second thing I want to talk to you about is Serve Day. Serve Day is coming up on July 16th. Mark that down if you're taking notes, July 16th. It's a Saturday, and here's the big idea with it. We are going to get outside of these four walls, and we're going to go do manual labor. We're going to be doing landscaping. We're going to be doing painting. We're going to be doing hard work, sweaty work. What's your big reward? I'm giving you a T-shirt, and that's your reward, and some Gatorade probably. And so like, the idea is that you get outside of this place, and that our focus gets off from just what, what's for us. What's, and we start focusing on people outside of these walls. Yeah. And you think, well, how is that evangelism? You know, it is. I think that a good name is better than riches. But I think more important than that is what it will do in you than what it's going to do for them. Yeah. Like, let me put it this way. You need to go do it. And so go to guest services. You can sign up for Serve Day. And we'll give you more information about that as we get closer to all of it. Number two, got to press on. So we're going we're gonna to redeem the time, but then number two, how do we become these, these people of God that are on the move? Expose pockets of complacency in your life. So we all have little pockets of complacency, areas where we're a little bit apathetic about our life, where we're a little bit too lean with ourselves, where we, we give ourselves too much grace. It's not really grace. You're just lazy. And, and, and so we got to find these areas and expose them and deal with them. We're so busy, I believe, with what the Bible calls vain or useless work. It's work that doesn't really matter for anything. Uh, we gaze and we pay attention and we're entertained by things that really don't matter. And worse, there are things that we put into ourselves through our eyes and ears that are false, that are empty, or that are deceitful. I don't care if they put it on primetime television. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And so Christine Kane, the great preacher, she said this, my concern is that our generation will miss their destiny because they're too busy scrolling through everybody else's. Just, just doing this. You watch, I mean, your phone is now literally like part of your hand, okay? If you try to show someone a picture, you're like, ah, look at this picture, and they take it, you're like, oh, oh. You know, and they're like, oh, man, that's so awesome. You're like, I want it back. You know, like you're just, you, you, it's hard, right? It's because this has become so much of our world. Kai and I, we took the kids to, uh, to, to the Yogi Bear Jellystone Park for one night because we wanted to go to this craft show in Pentwater, hashtag dad life. And so we commuted the crazy up in the RV, and, and, and they had this big old pool, Olympic-sized swimming pool. And so we get in there, and Kai and I are playing with the kids and having a good time. And all these other kids, they want to play with us. 
And, you know, it's 2022. Like, I'm not touching your kid, you know, like, like that's a lot, you know. But, like, we're, we're being kind and everything. And I look up and surrounding us are parents that are just looking right down. Their life is passing them by. Like, their great reward, your treasure, your family is swimming without you. I'm not going to let it happen. And I just wonder if that's happening to us in the room. If we're distracted by phones, if we're distracted by certain TV things or podcasts, or we're distracted by the, the next drip, let me just deal with something very quickly. There's a letter of the alphabet that has signified this towards the end of the alphabet that some people have become consumed with. It's a, what is it? Q-R-Q. It's the spirit of divination. Well, some of the stuff is right. I don't care. Listen to me. It's the spirit of divination because you're looking for the next little drip that's coming along instead of being enthralled in this book and the God that holds your future life. What does it matter if you solve the puzzle? Lord Almighty, what do you think? This is national treasure and you're going to go run, save the day. Like, listen, you're addicted to some things that are not healthy for you. It's the spirit of divination. And if the devil can get his people just going for the next little drip instead of in this book and pursuing God and serving his church, here's the answer, Jesus Christ. And the local church, when it's mobilized, is the hope of the world. Can I hear an amen somebody? That's the answer. Not your next little drip. That wasn't in first service. I feel like I'm stepping on somebody's toes and it was wonderful. You need that. You need that. Because we can't be reliant on that. Okay, Ephesians 5, I read it to you from the New King James, but I want to read it for you from the message paraphrase. I love how it says it. It says this, don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work, the barren pursuits of darkness. Expose these things for the sham that they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things they must do in the darkness where no one will see. Rip the cover off those frauds and see how attractive they look in the light of Christ. Wake up from your sleep. Climb out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Look at me, church. Are they desperate times? Things have changed at an accelerated rate. What does the Bible say? Rip the cover off those frauds. We don't have to stand by and say two plus two is five. No, it's four. I'm going to show you what truth is. I'm not going to back down. You can't cancel me or silence me. I exist. And so if we are the people that can take that step, we will take ground. In desperate times, what does the church do? We make the most of every chance that we get. We don't play it safe. We don't scale back. We don't look for what's just comfortable. We advance and we take ground. Stop living. Stop, stop, stop living your life distracted on your phone, on your iPad, on your computer. Your life is for living. You have to break out of that stuff. Rip the cover off those frauds. It might mean there's people in the sound of my voice. You need to get rid of your iPhone, get you a jitterbug. Jitterbug. You know, like you need to get one of those. I'm telling you, you won't miss the number. They're the size of like floor tiles. I mean, like you can make a call still, but you're not going to be distracted because it's all like dot matrix stuff, but like you won't be, amen. Say amen, somebody. Amen. Got quiet in this Lutheran church all of a sudden. Pastor Joe's railing about my phone again. God's railing about your phone. Hebrews 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin 
which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance, run with endurance. Say that with me. One, two, three, let us run with endurance. Yeah, the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Church, did you know it's not just sin that will weigh you down? The Bible says, lay aside every sin and wait. I'm not even saying that everything that you're doing there isn't wrong or bad. Or Like, I'm on the Facebook. I do the Facebook with everybody else. But listen, you can't be addicted to that, to the spot where you stop living your life or being effective or serving. Oh, I don't have time to do morning prayer devotions, friend. You've got time. You've got it. And God wants to share that time with you. Say amen, somebody. Amen. So we lay aside sin, but the Bible says lay aside the sin and the weight. There's things that just weigh you down. They're not bad, but the way that they affect you, it's weighing you down. I can't understand for the life of me, uh, uh, maybe you do, why people run recreationally. <laughs> like, I can't understand it. <laughs> I've been known to roll down our window on a perfect stranger that's running by and be like, who's chasing you? Like, just literally. <laughs> Hashtag dad life. That's a dad joke to the max. And, and like, I don't understand. Nobody's chasing them. Why are they running? And, and I talked with John and Leah Boyd after first service, and they were like, man, it's just great. We're running and everything. And he says, you like it. He says, I ran with you one time seven years ago, and that's the last time. And so, so like, but I understand some of you enjoy running, and, and, and you wouldn't put more weight on yourself to go running. I mean, maybe if you were conditioning, but I'm talking about just recreational jogging. That's not normal to do. You actually overpay at Nike to get things that were made out of former trash bags, the lightest possible clothes you possibly could get to lay aside every weight and to run, right? That's the word picture that Paul is giving because people ran back then. They had the Olympics back then, the original Olympics. He's trying to say, lay aside that junk. Sin, you know. Like, it occurs to us, like, I shouldn't be doing this. But weights are different. Sometimes weight will sneak up on you. Sometimes weight will show up in your life. You're like, oh, my gosh, I'm being weighed down by this junk, and I didn't even see it. Lay aside the, the, the sin and the weight. Uh, I heard recently about uh, motorcycles and dirt bikes. And I'm not into that stuff. I told my kids they're not either. Um, <laughs> my dad and my brother both owned motorcycles, enjoyed it. My grandpa did. And, um, and so I get it. Like, it's, it's cool. We have a lot of bikers that attend the church. I think that's awesome. You're my kind of people to the max. It's just horrifying what you're doing. And, and so, but here's what I heard. I heard this from a biker, that they're on those motorcycles. They're, they're going. But if you start getting wobbly, Especially those crash rockets. Oh my gosh, it's horrifying. When they go by you 145 miles an hour, I mean, on 131, you're like, Jesus, angels go. You know, like, if you start wobbling on one of those, they have the saying, oh my gosh, it's so dangerous. This is what they say. They say, when in doubt, throttle out. Oh gosh, I just felt that when I said it. So here's the idea. You're going really, really fast, but you start to lose control and your bike starts to wobble. Here's what you want to do. Here's what's like intuitive brakes, put your feet down, stop. You're going to get into an accident. You actually hit the gas a little bit more, and it actually, with that throttle, with that fuel, it, it forces you into alignment. It makes it so what could have been bad, you add the gas, and it, and it gives you that little tailwind that you need, so to speak, that you're able to find stability. Does that make sense, everybody? It's counterintuitive. 
New Chapel, I love the fact that I serve a church that when so many things were crumbling in this world and culture started to wobble and everything started to decay, that we didn't go and hit the brakes. We hit the fuel and we straightened out and course corrected. Can I hear an amen? Like we are people that aren't going to shrink back. When things get hard, we hit the fuel and we double down. Are you with me? I'm glad that you are because I need your help. See, I did that? Sneaky. Summer in Michigan is called by many churches the summer slump. Mother's Day, Father's Day, y'all, y'all just leave. And then you rejoin the church in the fall. Uh, let me help you. You're going to send your kids to public schools, but you're going to remove the oxygen from their spiritual life just before they have to do that. Friend, please don't. I'm not trying to build a big church. I'm trying to build you. Hear me now. Hear me. I'm going to tell you something. If you go on vacation and you're out of state, or if you're like, we had people go to the Dominican Republic. Wonderful. Find a church while you're there. Like go to church even when you're on vacation. Don't, don't skip church on a Sunday. Well, we're, we're, we're having a good time. You go to Vegas. I got a church for you in Vegas. I got a church for you anywhere. You email the church, I'll send you where you need to go, okay? Like, don't miss church because Jesus died to build something and it was his church. And you need it. You discount what it does to your soul when you just write it off. Now, we have good weather for three months. Oh, God. I'm with y'all. I can't even talk about it too long or it'll bum me out. But listen, three months without a jacket. I get it. You got to go swimming and everybody plans everything within that three months. Have you noticed that? 135 weddings. I mean, everybody's getting married, you know? Everybody's having a family reunion. Why don't we FaceTime in October? How about that one? And, and, and so I get it. You got things and you got plans. Don't miss church. If you're home, you go to church. And then go to the beach. Go have fun. I don't think God's asking you to make the discernment. We're going to tighten up our services, make sure that it's nice, quick, get you in, get you out. But let me just be, be honest with you. Even if we went long, you need to be here. You got to be in the house. You can't take this off. You discount what it's going to do to your family. And so to supplement this, we've tried to make summer as enjoyable as possible. And so our lineup in July, I am so excited about. Our very own Justin Barclay is going to be preaching on July 3rd. I'm excited about that. Pastor Eric Harvey on the 10th. Come on, somebody. Garrett Soldano on July 17th. And then some young evangelist on the 24th. But <laughs> thank you. Now, people have asked, Pastor Joe, what about that whole Garrett Saldano thing? I heard that he's doing the thing. And I said, yeah, he's doing that thing. He's, 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 he's running his race. But before he ever ran that race, I read a book that he wrote called God's True Law. And it was about parenting from God's perspective, chuck full of scripture. And so what's Garrett doing when he's coming to New Chapel? He's going to be preaching the word of God. And I will tell you something, this pastor would trust anything that Garrett has to say. That's my opinion. And so what is he going to be doing that day? Preaching. And afterwards, he'd love to be able to meet you, shake your hand, all those different things. I think it's going to be wonderful. This we are calling the best summer ever. And I encourage you to be there every single week of it. Don't miss out. It's going to be phenomenal. Gang, I'm telling you, we need this. Now, moving on. Some people say this, well, Pastor Joe, I do feel a call. I, I do feel like I should be doing more, but you know, I just need a sign from God. If I just had a sign of what he wanted me to do, and I felt good about that, man, I, I would take that, that, that step, that forward motion. 
Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 16. Read it for yourself. He said, a wicked and perverse generation seeks after a sign. He says, you can discern the times. So you're waiting for a sign. But Jesus said, a wicked and perverse generation seeks after a sign. You discern the times. Discern the times. What is he talking about? There's 5,000% increase in the suicide hotline. Every teenager in Michigan marks a box that says that they're going through overwhelming anxiety. Discern the time, New Chapel. You don't need a sign from God that you need to serve, invest, that you need to be praying. Discern the times. Jump in. There's your sign. The world's crumbling. We need your help. We need to take ground. Can I hear an amen, somebody? I got to move on. Number three, we want to be people on the move. You need to give what you got. That is Bad English, that's country is cornbread. I wrote it like that because that's how I mean it. <laughs> you got to give what you got. Pastor Joe, I'm here at New Chapel and I'm trying to reconnect with God and I'm trying to grow. You don't want me on the team. I'm going to mess it up. I'm not, I'm not got everything worked out in my life. I'm, I'm still pretty messed up. You don't need me on the team. I need to grow. I need to work on me first. It's not you, it's me. Let me just tell you, I understand what you mean. I've been there before. The truth of the matter is, the devil will try to get you with anything that he can. If he can get you with some inferiority complex that somehow you're especially messed up versus the other people that you're going to be joining on the team. I'm Facebook friends with some of these people. I know that they're equally as messed up as you are in Jesus' name. And so, so here's what I'm trying to convey to you. You don't have to wait for all of that to be resolved. And in fact, I don't think you can. I don't think that you're going to grow without the serving. 2 Corinthians 10, if you would. We hope that your faith will grow, and I do, everybody. That's, I'm a pastor. I'm in this game to build people. We hope that your faith will grow, and if you have a paper copy of the Bible, circle that, underline it, and that our work among you will be greatly enlarged. Then we're all going to be going to the top, far beyond what we could ever do on our own. You want to grow apart from serving? You will hit a glass ceiling in that. You will stunt your Christian growth. You will slap the hand of your God in, in his endeavor to bless you if you don't become a person that says, I'm going to grow and I'm going to serve so that God's work will be expanded greatly among you. What is that talking about? His church. And so when we serve his church and we're building this thing up, that's where our success is going to be. I get it. We just want to come in here, come into God's presence and just nom, 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 nom. And spiritually, you look like an episode of 600 pound life. I'm just telling you, it's all in and it's no out. You're like that stagnant pond where it's like, it's getting water from somewhere, but it's got that algae growing all over it and frogs. You think like a walking dead hand is going to come out at any minute and and so I want you to grow, but understand, Christian, that your Christian growth is tied to you serving the local church. You will hit a glass ceiling, and it will pause. And we read this last week. It means so much to us here, Matthew 10. As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it goes on to say, freely you have received, freely give. What am I supposed to give? Give what you got. You don't have to put on airs or act like someone who you're not. In fact, that was the very thing that turned you off to church people in the past, right? People trying to put on like they had it all together and you knew their life was wilting like yours. You have to 
Try to be someone that you're not. Share the freedom you have. God has done something in my life. And I just want to tell you what he's done. I'm not perfect, believe me, but God is good. And look at how our marriage is doing. Look how our kids are thriving. And we're taking steps, and I've, I'm got more to go, that's for sure. I'm not saying I'm all that, but I am saying this. It is so much more peaceful. It is so much more joyful. I have resolve in my heart because I made Jesus Lord. You can share the freedom that you have. When you don't serve, you turn inward. And you'll try to solve problems in your life, fill deficits, try to meet needs with things that are ungodly. Or if they're not ungodly in and of themselves, it's ungodly to use them in that way. And so, friend, what do we do? We give the grace that we have. Write it down. Last big thought for today. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Let's not wait. You're waiting for a sign. The world's falling apart, everybody. Like five minutes on the news, you'd be caught up with everything. It's all crumbling. Let's join hands. Let's join a team. Let's be part of a church that's making a difference. Let's go. You can tell someone else about your faith. You can open a door for somebody when they're walking into church. You can welcome guests. You can run tech. You can go hold a crying baby. You can be a person that sings on the stage. You can do your part in all of this. You can hold a baby. You can go. And as a Christ follower, freely have you received, freely give. Don't heap it unto yourself. Amen, somebody? And here's what I know is when you get on the same page with Jesus and what he's doing, our God will take you to places that you could never, ever go on your own. That's the power of your God as you go. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my church that, God, there's an epitus in the room, a seed in the room. Kind of makes me want to get up and run. God, you're talking to your kids about next steps. You're talking to your kids about engaging in their life. I pray that you'd show them the next step that they have. Many are supposed to fill out that card. Many are, are supposed to put their phone down, or have a system where they can put it in a box when they get home from work so they can be there because their life is for living. God, I pray for men and for women making hard decisions on all of this where they're going against the grain and they're going against culture to try to raise godly kids or to live in a godly way. Lord, I thank you for grace along the way. It's not time to shrink back because the grace is left. No, if grace is a feeling, it's not going to be comfortable. Grace is God's power, and he's graced his kids. I pray that they would engage and re-engage and pray like Jesus is coming back this afternoon. God, I pray that you would enable your church to do great works. Lord, I know it's not so important that they hear from Pastor Joe. It's important that they hear from you. Speak to your kids. I thank you that you do. Lord, I know in a message like this, people hear about a mobilized church, they hear about a God of love, that it affects some people's hearts. God, if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know you, help me to find them. In Jesus' name. Heads bowed, eyes closed, just for another minute, I want to talk to you. If that's you, you say, I'm not right with God, whatever that even means. I'm not right with God, Pastor Joe. Listen to me. You can leave this place having resolve in your relationship with God. The 
The Bible shows us that God sent his only son, Jesus, to the world and that Jesus lived a sinless life, but he died in our place on a cross. They, 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 they killed him. We had perfection and they killed God. It was the death of the worst sinner on a cross. If Jesus were to be executed today, in today's times, people wouldn't be wearing little gold crosses. They'd have little gold syringes around their neck. It was just the death, the most humiliating death of the worst sinner in culture. But he had never sinned. The Bible says that on the third day, the greatest work of God's power was shown when he raised Jesus from the dead. The Bible shows us that whoever calls on the name of the Lord would be saved. What does that mean? You're calling him Lord. Lord means boss. It means you're ready to give your life back to the God that made you and put him in control. That you're ready to submit to his plans and process because you know what it's like when you do your own thing. Friend, if that's you in this place, you make Jesus Lord, you'll avoid a Christless hell. There's an eternity in heaven, but eternal life doesn't start when you die. It starts the moment you accept Christ. So, so for so many, you're looking for joy, you're looking for peace, resolve in your heart. That can be worked today, and it's found in Jesus. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Church, I want you to pray this with those people that are praying it for the very first time. Pray it out loud. Pray, Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sins so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Put your spirit in me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Come on, somebody. Louder than that. Come on. <laughs> the reason why we get excited is because we're excited about the decision that you made. We know the freedom that it brought in our life. So if you accepted Christ, let us know. We're not going to call you down to the front. Grab one of those connection cards and check the box that says, I accepted Christ as my Savior. Give us that basic information, and I'll send you a note in the mail talking about God's next steps for you. God has big things. We like to say at New Chapel, the least of which is to fill out that little card. If you came with somebody and they accepted Christ, encourage them to do that. We need to get that information into their hands. One last time, church, let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Hallelujah. Great job. Stand up on your feet. Did y'all get anything out of today's message? I hope that you did. I hope that you leave this place fired up, taking hell on with a squirt gun, ready to go, everybody. A couple of quick announcements before we dismiss today, uh, one of which is this. On July 3rd, when our very own Justin Barclay is going to be preaching, we're changing up our order for that day. In previous years, we've done something called Drive-In to Freedom. And that has been great, but what happened was uh, it was like the surface of the sun that day. It was very hot, and we invested so much into this carnival, and you know, people enjoyed it. It was amazing, but it was also a little challenging. A drive-in is very romantic and fun, a little tedious too. And so what we decided to do was to bring in Justin for both the 9 o'clock 
and the 11 o'clock services. And we had something cresting on 600 people that day. It was an amazing day. We expect a big crowd that day. And so we're going to make as much room as we possibly can. We also are in desperate need of people to serve. Now, we're not doing the carnival, the tailgate carnival like we had, but we are going to have inflatables and all kinds of other things. If you can serve and are willing to do it on July 3rd on that day, all hands on deck, partners. I need your help. Go sign up over at Guest Services and let us know that you can do it. It would mean the world to make that day all that it can be. Uh, and then finally, um, well, I'll spare you, but in essence, July is going to be kick butt. You don't want to miss one Sunday in July. Invite people with you. We're trying to give you every reason to do it. Our small groups, when we try to do curriculum-based groups in the summer, our small groups weren't that successful. And so we have a different plan, and that is making church a riot and also having things like the Whitecaps game and Bunko Night and men's shooting, be engaged in all of that. In fact, last opportunity to sign up for men's shooting, it is this following Saturday in Greenville. Kai, why don't you come up here and let's pray for the people. Give it up for my wife, everybody. <laughs> Guys, we love you so much, and we're so encouraged about what God has for us. We'll see you next week. Bring somebody with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, have a great weekend.